Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, thanks for being here. We are a happily married couple of four children living in the beautiful state of Montana, which after this last trip to Hawaii with your parents, I realize is just as expensive as Hawaii. Yes. Yes. So um, we have conversations, uh, unplanned, unrehearsed, generally undiscussed conversations fresh out of our brains with each other. So it's somebody, um, somebody I told me uh, this weekend that she just loves hearing us discuss things like just it's like sitting in on a private conversation that's like public, but not really public. So anyway, she just it's really like enjoyed it. reality TV for radio, but more edifying, hopefully. Hopefully, I can. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, reality TV I mean, for radio. The, I like the um the bar is really low there. <laughs> yes, really low bar. Um, so yeah, that's what you're gonna get for the next hour or so. And um, we just got back from what I am going to call the shakedown cruise of the van. As you know, we've had the van for. I was going to call it the maiden voyage. That works too. Almost a year now, and I have done. A pile of things with the kids. Um, we've gone, we've done overnight judo trips. To, when the van was literally still just a cargo van. Well, sort of. It was half built. I kind of half built the cargo van. We did some mountain biking trips. We did judo trips. We did um, a few other things. And if you've been following us for any length of time, you know, ski season, it turned into, was never planned this way, but turned into a ski van. And I lived with a couple kids out of the van for a week while I was patrolling and we were skiing kind of our spring break. It was super, super fun. Molly's only time in the van has been short little ro- short little trips around town, like to church and stuff. Or going up for a day of skiing. Or going up for a day of skiing. But two weeks ago, she went to the Wild and Free concert conference in Dallas, Texas. And I said, why don't you take the van and just overnight in the van? She's like, eh, Because you guys, so we live in Billings, Montana. And when I booked my airline tickets, Billings is notoriously expensive to fly out of anyway. And then, and when I booked my tickets, as they still are, ticket prices were astronomical. And I saved about $500 by driving to Bozeman, Montana, which is two hours away and has become more of a regional hub than Billings used to be the regional airport hub. And now it's Bozeman because Bozeman is the gateway to Yellowstone National Park and all sorts of other tourism for Montana. And so I flew out of Bozeman at 7 a.m. and looking at all of my various options for either leaving here at three in the morning to make sure that I was there and hope that nothing went wrong while I was driving or get a hotel room for five hours. And the cheapest hotel I could find in the area was about 180 bucks for the night, which just seemed silly. And so I... Did I drove the van in a screaming windstorm, uh, which that it was like a sail. It was terrifying. I was listening to a podcast that I didn't like, and I couldn't turn <laughs> it off. That's why it was terrifying. I, well, it was. It wasn't that I didn't, you know. But I was gripping the wheel so much because of the wind, and the van is like a sailboat. It's like a box. And, it's a van. It's a box. And every time a semi passed, I got to where I could tell when I was gonna. When a semi is about thirty feet in front of you. Is when this tailwind just gushes the draft. on you. Yeah, that's and, the draft they talk about. And it would just, you know, so I'd be gripping the steering wheel. And I left late enough in the evening 
that I was driving in the dark. And anyway, so I, I pulled into the airport parking lot and found a plate, a space that was big enough for this giant van with a giant bike rack on the back. And I just put the shades in the windows and went to sleep. Didn't sleep super great because it was still a windstorm and it rained overnight and there was trains and car alarms going off in the airport parking lot. But all in all, you guys, it's pretty fantastic to roll out of bed, put on a change of clothes and wander across the parking lot, check into the ho- check into your flight and then go get a cup of coffee and some breakfast when, you know, just usually you have to give yourself a lot more time than that. So that was a pretty fantastic way to break myself into yeah. the first night of spending sleeping so, in a van. Right. And so then fast forward to last weekend, we had some friends who were planning on, who were going to a wedding in the Whitefish Kalispell area. And he said, hey, we're going to hit a new bike park while we're up there. It's called Legacy Bike Park. And I'm like, ooh, I want to go. We'll go. We got a van. Let's go. So... um we decided then we were going to hang out with the uh, with Kim, if you guys, one of our listeners, uh, lives up there. The one I've been trying to get up to. Um, she keeps inviting us for margaritas. And skiing. And skiing. And we, we never made it up skiing, but it looks like we're going to be up there, at least if I have my way. We'll be up there like multiple weekends this summer, mountain biking. So anyway, um, I said, let's do it. And I said, well, I was kind of thinking to myself, you know, since we're going to be up there. We might as well make like a legit trip out of it. So I said, Molly, what if we go up a day early and we bike Whitefish Mountain on Saturday and then Legacy Bike Park on Sunday with our friends and then we go to Glacier on um, Glacier National Park. Glacier National Park. We camp there for three nights. So long story short, I had some work come up, so we had to cut out the Whitefish part, but we still got up to uh, Kalispell and stayed with the Hansons, which. We had conversations with Kim's husband, Pete. I mean, Kim's Kim. a great conversationalist, too. But he brought up some things that could take up a whole hour of discussion just on their own. Um, and we might get to it a little bit later. And then we ended up camping, not knowing how the whole thing was going to play out. We went camping for Let's two just nights. throw in a little bit more coolness about Kim and Pete. They we have... will. We'll get to okay. Kim and Pete. They're going to okay. take up like 20 minutes of the show. Oh, are they? Oh, yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. So <clears throat> we... Uh, so I didn't know if Molly was going to be able to handle this. So I cut our glacier trip down from three nights to two nights. And then part of it was this aforementioned work schedule. I might have to come back on Friday to work. But we also wanted to... Molly's had a dream to do the Hiawatha Trail. That's for been your years. dream for years. We drive past it, the exit for it, and the signs for it. Every time we drive from Billings to the West Coast to see... Or to... Not necessarily the West Coast. Anywhere west of Idaho... To see JR's family primarily, and we drive past it, and it just has never worked out, mostly because I've been either nursing or pregnant right. for this entire time that I've wanted to do it. So we, so I said, we'll do that the following day. For a while, they had post-COVID, like, you've got to get reservations, blah, blah, blah. They kind of ditched that this year, right up towards the last minute. So that's where our show is going to go. We're going to recap the trip. Molly's, we've not, Molly and I have not discussed how we feel about the van. We've discussed a few little things we might want to change, or she's got some fun storage ideas. She's like, this would be nice here, that'd be nice there. But we've not really talked, I've not really asked her how her experience was sleeping with four children I feel in like, a van. I feel like you would have known if it was bad. And then, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I think, I think there's some stuff about 
about Pete and Kim, some conversations we had with them that are worth talking about. And I'm guessing that'll probably... And then Molly will probably want to recap you with how cool the Hiawatha Trail is. I, I will. I'm going to throw out a couple food-related things first. Is that why you sent me food texts? It is. Just now? It okay. is, actually. I'm not going to talk about downhill mountain biking because I don't think any of you really care about how cool Legacy Bike Park was. So if you want to know, just send me a message at the end of the show. I'll include that information in the show notes. Uh, but until then... On to more relevant things. So, Molly, how... Food. I'm talking about food first. Oh, I want to know. I feel like this is going to be a really anticlimactic conversation for you. Okay. Probably. Before we get caught up on things, because we are going to be tight on this time-wise for recording. (laughs) Uh, You guys, I thought I mentioned this before our last recording, but I didn't see the recipe in last episode's show notes. So I'm mentioning it now for, for the maple cumin roasted carrots. I never got it. And I think I'm, I was like, oh, I don't have that recipe and thought to text you. And I, I did. Okay. So you guys, I, I, maybe I did mention it on the last show, but uh, Lily eats and tells she's known as like a macro food Instagram person. She has a couple of cookbooks. I haven't bought any of her cookbooks, but this particular recipe, I love roasted carrots in almost every form. But I decided to try her recipe for something different. You roast them with cumin, garlic, parsley, oil, and then at the last for the last few minutes of roasting, you drizzle maple syrup over the top of it. And then the thing that makes it that you can't skip is while they're still warm and you're putting them in the baking dish, you sprinkle go- softened goat cheese to chevre softened goat cheese and lemon zest over the top of it. And I will add in a little thing, thanks to Uncle Vernon, use organic lemon zest because the outside of citrus has a ton of things added to it if it's not organic. But if it's organic citrus and you're going to use the zest, if I recall correctly, it's just been washed in baking soda and water so it doesn't have food coloring and all sorts of additives and preservatives added on to the outside of your citrus. But the lemon zest and the goat cheese really make the dish pop, so don't skip either of those. But do try it. I made it two days the week before we left because I loved it so much the first time. And everybody ate all of it, so I had to make it the second time. That's awesome. Those recipes will be in the show notes. I promise this time because I actually have them in a text message. Okay. Another one that's a great summer meal that I just sent JR a recipe for is a basil citrus chicken kebab. Well, it's a grilled chicken recipe, but I did it as kebabs. So you just marinate chicken in a real, really simple marinade and grill it either as kebabs or as whatever way you like your chicken. And it's really del- a delightful, fresh-tasting summer meal with, like, a citrusy green salad or whatever you want. An arugula mm. salad. I'm really big on arugula right now. And I also wanted to throw in a tip that a couple of people noticed the way I made my breakfast burritos that I packed for our trip. Because I like to do breakfast burritos and we just warm them up in a frying pan. For a quick hearty breakfast. So instead of scrambling eggs and then rolling a tortilla around them, I got this from Mel's Kitchen Cafe, but I don't follow her recipe because she uses tater tots as filling. And I think it's way more carbs than 
than protein when you throw in the tortilla as well. She's making them for a ranch family. All they do is work. Well, no, pork. she's not a no. Oh. She's not. But that's Pioneer Woman. That's <laughs> oh, Pioneer Woman. Mel's. Sorry, Mel, I'm conflating Mel's the two. Mel's the Mormon super who lives in Idaho. She has a she uh, has a yeah. like miniature pigs and miniature horses just for fun. But don't you have a weird connection with Mel? Uh, she Hawaii grew, or no, no, no. Montana she, she or went to Skyview High School here. She oh, grew up here. I don't yeah. know her. Oh. She just grew up in Billings. Who was a celebrity that you knew that had a family in Hawaii or something? Uh, oh, sorry. Okay. I'm derailing the conversation. I don't know. Back to burritos. Okay. So bake <laughs> your whatever filling you want to put in your breakfast burrito, except for the cheese, in a 9 by 13 baking dish. And you can use 12 or 14 eggs. I add onions and mild green chilies, and sometimes if I have leftover roasted sweet potatoes, I'll throw those in. And then grease your pan just like you would making an egg casserole. Bake it in there, and then you slice it three... So lengthwise, you would slice it into thirds, and then widthwise, you would slice it into... Well, I guess it depends on what length and width. Slice it into bars that are 12 bars, basically. And they fit perfectly in little cubes in a tortilla, and it rolls around them perfectly, and they stay together because the eggs aren't loose and trying to fall out everywhere. Just sprinkle some cheese on the tortilla before you add the eggs, and then, oh, sausage or bacon bits also. Bake it with the eggs. And then cheese on top and below this brick of egg, and it's just a really fast and easy way to... Make when I was burritos stay together. Yeah, when I was younger, like high schoolish, I figured out that I could get a lot more distance out of my eggs if I let them sit in the pan and and, and get really tall. You know, is that mm-hmm. the frittata or is that the the quiche? Quiche goes in the oven. Um, but yeah, so I used to do that, and then I would because I would kind of scramble them for my burritos, and then I would leave them in there, and they get solid, and then I could take uh, I'd take them and do strips. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Same, Strips, same and idea. I would roll them into the burrito, and they work perfect. Same way, yeah. So just eggs. But when you're making a whole bunch of them, yeah, the yeah, bricks yeah. Are, yeah. are a great way to make a batch egg, of freezer egg bricks. breakfast burritos. Okay, mm. JR is dying to know what I think of camping. No, okay, that. yeah. So what? So we didn't... I got the sense that it wasn't horrible. It wasn't miserable. But... Um, what did you for somebody who doesn't like to camp and doesn't is scared of being in confined spaces with four children? <laughs> uh, I I thought it was great. I like having so Jared bought this super fancy pull out kitchen that is on rollers and slides out from the back of the van, and so I didn't feel super constrained in cooking or in space or not having quite the right materials. I do need to rethink because the burners are designed for 10-inch pans, mm. and there's two burners, but you can really only use one at a time when you're using pans that are bigger than that, which, mm-hmm. unless you have like a tall, skinny pan or pot, if you're cooking anything for six people, you have to use something more than a 10-inch pan. And you had mentioned that that, was, that wasn't a due to... A default necessarily with the kitchen, because all those... It's just who it's we a dometic, are. Yeah, yeah, it's a dometic sink... You can buy standalone Dometic, which is a major RV company, sells standalone combo sink stovetop things. You can add to kind of whatever you want. And they're all the same size. Well, even our, but you said that was like our the little separate Coleman burner has mm-hmm. two burners, and they're yeah. like that. Yeah. You can only fit one decent-sized thing on it. So I need to rethink. There were a couple of meals that I made where I was using two pots, 
And when, if we had a campfire, it was fine because I just put the food, oh, one of the pots over the campfire. So it was fine. Um, I I feel like also being able to pull food out of the refrigerator while we're driving and just throw lunch at the kids is super nice. And then if we happen to have dirty dishes, we just toss them in the sink in the van and worry about them later. So that was super convenient. We had a couple of occasions where we did meals on the go. Crazy enough, we were gone from Saturday until Friday. So for a full week and we, Kim fed us two dinners. Uh, We did not eat out. We didn't even have to run through while we were Mm. driving fast food. The only food we bought was when we stopped at Chico Hot Springs on our way back through towards home and we bought lunch for the kids while we were swimming. But it's pretty crazy that we did all of that without having to do an emergency. Thinking about how much money we just didn't spend eating out. Plus we ate super well the entire Zipping through McDonald's for a quick lunch for all of us is 60, 70 bucks now. I was very happy and I will definitely say somewhat relieved to know that some of those build decisions were the right, I made the right calls. Like one of the calls was have a fridge in the van Mm -hmm. knowing it would be less convenient when we're in the, when we're outside in the back of the van cooking, Mm -hmm. but way more convenient uh, on the travel end of things, which actually made it really makes the whole situation really viable for a ski van because we cook, we do all the cooking inside the van. So I went with a bigger and I got a bigger, I made another call too, by going with a bigger, with a bigger fridge. So I think that was helpful too. But, um, from my perspective, set up and tear down from we're unpacked was so fast. Like, cause everything is in the van in like, there's, we had bikes laying out in some chairs, but the kitchen, the food, everything else is just in the van already. So it's not like you have unpacked your tent and your sleeping bags and you're moving things from car to van or whatever. It's just already there. You just yeah, kind of fold it was, up and close yeah. and go. As a, yeah, it, that made a huge difference, especially with little kids who can't carry their own weight, really. Mm-hmm. Where you just... And we had so much extra space. It wasn't... When we were repacking the pop-up, it was this very careful, calculated, every single time, if you miss something, somebody's riding with a suitcase on their lap. (laughs) And here it's like, well, we didn't get it all packed up nicely. Let's just throw it on top of the bed. And as long as we don't slam on the brakes suddenly and have it come flying down... We're we're good, but it's it was sleeping bags and clothing bags that were piled. Molly made for the a, most part. Molly made a really funny comment as we were leaving and driving down the highway. We were like probably an hour out of town, and she goes, she looks at me and goes, "I feel like we've forgotten something." I'm like, "Well, why?" What? She's like, "Well, I'm not like I don't have anything sitting at my feet. I'm not crowded with gear, and we have lots of space, empty space in the back right now. So I feel like I'm forgetting something. And I don't think we forgot anything. In fact, there's stuff I left at home that I could have, namely the solo stove. I didn't bring mm-hmm. a box of wood in the solo stove, but I could have easily have fit that into into Especially our Especially because we had a ton of space. We brought a baby hiking backpack mm-hmm. for Faith. Because we were planning to do a couple hikes in Glacier that would be a little uncomfortable to carry her if she putzed out, which she did. And the bike trailer, which is takes up a ton of space. 
And we'll almost never travel with that ever again. Yeah, because faith is just really kind of too big for both of those things as of next year. Yeah. The other thing compared to the pop-up that I really liked is being able to keep our bathroom stuff. So we bought these uh, seat hanging, they hang from the seat headrest thing, uh, organizer, storage organizers. And we have two of them. In the little bathroom, kitchen, there's the no hallway. The hallway. I call it the hallway. Jared calls it the hallway, and um, and so all of my vitamins and essential oil rollers and our toothbrushes and our toothpaste and my contact stuff and just the random the floss and the little floss picks that we have for the kids and hair ties and hairbrushes, they all have a permanent place, and in again in the pop up. We had a tub that we had to get out and set out the toothbrushes every night. And it just is like with four kids, most of whom, like I said, don't carry their own weight. Having the freedom to just not have to worry about those is took a lot of stress off of. You also made another comment uh, halfway through the trip about feeling even though we're living out of the van, six people in a small space. We had, I'd kind of worked out a little bit of a strategy in terms of clothing, luggage, changing areas, etc. on some of the ski trips. But you made the comment that even with all of us in here, everything still felt way less cluttered than like the pop-up tent. And as the, as the trip goes on, your car gets messier and messier because, oh, I forgot to repack this from camping, so it just gets thrown in the back, and then it yeah. never makes it back into a bag. But we, for Christmas, I made all the kids giant canvas bags, and so their clothes more than fit in them, and they're soft so they can just get shoved into space, and so all their clothes were there, and JR hung some bars with hangers, S-hangers, o- over the big window, so the raincoats and sometimes the bike helmets if they got left out and the hooded sweatshirts and the regular coats because we were in northern Montana and needed coats in June. And all the things that would just be jumbled somewhere mm-hmm. were hung up nicely. I would like to get a bungee cord so we could leave coats hanging up on that key mm-hmm. on that and while we're driving kind of pull them back pull out back of the way inside. towards yeah, your, we could do that. Towards I could your mount seat. another I could mount a little hook there on that yeah, C pillar. I think there. that would be nice. Um, Molly, also, we also, one thing that I hadn't done until this trip, and it just happened to work out that way, I had purchased from Wrangler um, a attic, what they call their attic net. It's a cargo net that goes up in what the van people call like the attic right above when you've got the, the high roof van, you've got that space above the driver and passenger seat. Like it's enough space that you could have a bunk bed in there almost. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, people build really big things, but building really buildings, the newer vans you can actually order. There's a prefabbed shelf you can order right from someplace in Europe that bolts right up to bolts things, you know, but to build something is a little bit, can be a little bit awkward in that space because there's a really rounded headliner and yada, yada, yada. So I just bought this net and I was up until now, I was keeping like my first aid kit up there and maybe I'd stuff some loose ends up there. I'd keep my fanny pack for mountain biking up there. Well, in this trip, I wanted to, I didn't want to carry a bunch of those Costco yellow bins in the back of the van full of mountain bike gear. So I actually just threw all of my stuff Cross country and downhill pads, helmets, 
all that stuff. I just threw it all up in the thing. And then Titus is like, oh, I'm going to do that too. So he threw his stuff up there. So we've got all our downhill stuff up there. And then the only thing left in a, in a yellow bin, which you suggested maybe putting some hooks up there mm-hmm. so I can hang all of the, the kids' other helmets. like helmets up there. Because they're then, so bulky. Yeah. They're yeah. bulky and round and they don't do anything. Even when you stuff the pads in there, it's just that they're still bulky and round. So that was kind of a nice little find that I can actually keep on. Because now, because the van is pretty much the only thing I ever take biking, all that stuff lives there. Like, mm-hmm. that's where it lives. It's not going anywhere. It's done there. It's just where it is. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. So I was... Yeah. So you... Oh, and these milk crates, you guys. Little wins. So we had this, so I consolidated some stuff when we left. Some things were still kind of like not knowing Molly hadn't really worked with the pull kitchen and didn't really know where we're going to put stuff. So we kind of just put things in places. And so we started, as the trip went on, we started consolidating more and more. And there's so much pantry space in the pull kitchen that I feel like we hardly use the overhead cabinets in the van. But one of those things result, one of those shuffles resulted in a black and just... We literally just had an empty crate. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this freaking empty crate? It's going to take up space. It sits, the bench seats in the van, it slides perfectly between the seat supports and the floor and the seat in the little... It's like, wow, that's like legit. So we loaded it with shoes. It became our shoe basket. The only problem with that is it catches on the rug a little bit as you go in and out. So the rug got a little bunched up and mangled, but it was a really fortuitous thing to be able to store shoes there because shoes with shoes six with, people yeah. are always a problem and you have like more than one pair and everything else yeah so i would like to permanently keep six towels in the van yeah so if we are like when we stopped at chico we could rent towels but if we're somewhere else and we go we're camping somewhere with public showers and we can take showers or whatever i also need to put shampoo in the van we didn't have any shampoo but uh, but I had a place an idea for a place chair. I could build a little cubby, and I could just permanently keep six towels. Because we in got the some van. extra space, yeah. And I had I changed up a couple of things. I had another light. And I had another. I've got some winter projects lined up for the van. Some build finishing and build out things. I'm like, oh, I just driving down the road and I'm looking at something. Going, hi, oh, I just figured out how to finish that. <laughs> you know, in my head. Um, but I was dropping the van off today for the brakes to get the brakes redone, and there was another van that a guy had built in the back lot because they, the dealership didn't get the brakes in in time and this forgot to order the temp sensor, yeah, yeah, et cetera. But they have two little steps. I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I just need those steps. I don't need to do anything huge and convoluted. I just need these steps. So I found some really affordable additional steps for the van so we can step in because there's no that huge from the ground to the van is just a huge step. It's a big step. So it's I was going to add big of a step. It's a big step. Nobody has a problem with that step. It's a big step. Nobody has a problem with that step. It's still a big step, and I'm still going to put steps in because I think... Where, where do the steps store? Do they fold up no, underneath No, they're, they're bolted. They'll just bolt right to the van. It's permanently there. On the inside or the outside? Outside. The but outside. then that lowers our clearance even more, doesn't it? I don't have a problem with that clearance. I have a problem with the hitch clearance, which I've got two potential solutions for that. Okay. Now. Um, so anyway. I will. I will add one... I did not say this to you on our trip, Uh-oh. but one minor I told you so, which is when we built the van, when we first started thinking of the van, we we found one family with four kids who was living full time out of a van. And the way they did it, 
space-wise is they had a rooftop tent. And we were like, this will be perfect. We have a rooftop tent on the truck. We'll put the rooftop tent on top of the van. And JR, you don't need to bore people right now with all of the reasons why the rooftop tent didn't work on the van. There were a, there were a few. <laughs> I, and, I wanted it to, but there were a few. And I was like, well, then it's not going to work. I can't sleep in a van with four kids. And JR was convinced that we would be able to sleep. The two layers of bunks are basically queen-sized. A little bit bigger than queen. They're larger than most three-man tents. Right. Floor space. So you say that. I said that. You, but we did not, we could not sleep three people to a bunk. And so the first night. We would have had to start our kids out really, really small. Being better at sharing space. Because mm-hmm, they're not, they're terrible at sharing space. We, we put up with your elbows in my, you're kicking me for a solid five minutes. And we're like, <laughs> this is Two. not, this is not going to get better. And it didn't matter what configuration of three kids was going to be up there. It just wasn't going to work. So Elise, being the adaptable third born, goes, well, I'm going to take my sleeping bag and pillow and sleep across the front seats, which JR has a nice, really nice seat for driving. And it has a metal bar between it and the other two split seats. And that's a factory metal bar. So my you the can't original take it out. can't take it out. The original driver's seat looked like the other two seats, but it just destroyed my back. Right. It's it's fine. We just Elise is small enough that she would squeeze her feet over the edge of it, and it was fine. Anybody bigger would probably have a problem sleeping across the front seats because of the bar. But if we need to go that route, there are options that we could do for better cushions. Faith, and Faith is still small enough that if we really wanted to, I could clean everything out of the attic and put her in the but attic. But then we have like to take the tear down and yeah, put back together. So Faith, so Elise, Elise was absolutely delighted because with all of the the high seats, she was like, "It's like I have my own bedroom." And she's never well. She did have her own bedroom briefly. But so she was delighted with her sleeping arrangements, just sleeping bag and pillow across the front seat. And then Faith, we we tried a different couple different things and she ended up sleeping on the floor between the two seats where we drive. And it was lots of space and she didn't mind that it wasn't super cushioned. I put a layer of blankets on the floor beneath her each day. And it ended up everybody had their own Titus and Lily still. You're elbowing me. Come on, guys. You need to grow up and yeah. be, be a little bit flexible. But in the future, it worked out just fine. I did sort of future build something that right now the Faith's car seat gets in the way. We'd have to move Faith's car seat out of the way. The table that I built that we can set up, that we carry in the van, that we can set up between the two bench seats and turn that whole bench seat section into a booth. That's what we did most of the winter. I can drop that and rest it on the edges of the, the seats and then we can carry an extra pad, throw that pad down, and now we have another queen-sized sleeping area. Sleeping area. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely doable if and when the kids get bigger. But my secret hope is they all decide they want to sleep outside. Yes, bring one of those tents that you can throw and it pops up and sets up in a yeah, second. That would be awesome. Anyway, so it worked out. the The amount of space in one of those vans <clears throat> is pretty remarkable that you can shuffle people around until you get it's comfortable sleeping. Yeah, there's, situations. there's, it's so there's so much space in this thing. Um, so should we talk about other things that are more? Yeah. Substantive? So I wanted to I wanted to move on to something else that I thought was an interesting thought to ponder. 
brought up by Pete. So the first night we get to Kalispell, I go in. I'm typically more social, so go. I go inside and I'm hanging out with Kim. Well, it was also the kids' first night. Mm-hmm. I was sleeping in the van exactly. together, so I was trying Pete's to get them. To coming in from a flight somewhere, and he's not at home yet. And, and Kim made us dinner, and so Molly, Molly and I kind of swapped off a little bit, getting the kids ready for bed, and then we end up doing the final swap, which is basically like her making sure they're tucked in, and then staying there, staying to yell there. At them. So she'll just sit there in the van and surf the phone. Well, uh, never- no, no, no. no. Or read a book. I read two Green Ember books okay. on that trip from so, Smith. Right. So she's reading. So she never comes back out. And I'm like, where she goes? So she never comes back out. Pete gets home really, really late. And I start hanging out with Pete. And um, Pete's a funny guy. And the whole time in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, man, Molly's going to enjoy this. So the following evening... Um, Molly, Molly's there, Pete's there, Kim's there. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like when two, um, when, when like one, one judoka meets another judoka and they're like, oh, you're a black belt. Ooh, you're a black belt too. Cool. Let's spar. And so they go into a little bit of a workout or two dogs meet each other. You're a dog. I'm a dog. Woohoo. And so they start going around and around around. Pete's like. (laughs) I, I feel like you've got a seminary education. I'm always like, oh, I I went to Westminster Seminary, and then and then kind of like they started doing and their because Pete has a theolo- degree from Covenant Theological, <laughs> and he's got a, good, so then he had two seminary theologians just kind of going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's it quite amusing. Um, so what they what they started talking about though was a couple episodes ago. We had, I can't remember exactly which episode it was. It was about being winsome. So if you go through and look at the titles. The titles actually have winsome. It has winsome uh, and being winsome. And Pete was making the remark that he doesn't believe in this culture that we have right now. That being winsome is really that important. Or that it should be our top priority in terms of how we engage with the world. What should be, what do you... So he he compared it to like a walled city and the winsome person is the philosopher in the Times Square or the main square, you know, doing the Paul Act 17, argue, you know, winning people over, which is a valid and worthy point. But he said in our in our current culture, the person that I'm listening to and taking my cues from is the watchman on the wall not the winsome street preacher, basically. The person who is looking around, standing guard, calling out big issues that are going to bring us, our families, the things that are dear to us and our faith under attack. And there are there are heralds in our culture, so to speak, who are more, whose voices should carry more weight with us right now than the voices that are methodically reasoning in the Times Square with with people who disagree with us. I yeah, and I I hadn't thought about that and I don't think we touched on this on the on that particular episode, but I think it's worth pondering anyway that the, there's such a hostile attitude towards Christianity in most circles now that being winsome isn't doesn't matter. It just doesn't it doesn't the interesting thing, I mean, this is, it, you guys, Pete and Kim are very winsome people. <laughs> <laughs> They're just a joy to be around. They've got four kids who are 
enough older than our kids. Their youngest is in high school. Their older two are in college. And so there there's a sort of couple that we look at with our oldest being 11 and our youngest being four and think, okay, this is something that we can, that we aspire to and that we look forward to. This is maybe us in, what, 10 years, but it's certainly not us right now in terms of our, of our relationship with the kids and our level we of maturity. Grandpa- we are grandparent parents. Well, We're old parents. Yeah. Our, well, in our level of maturity and whatnot, <laughs> but, but the... Yeah, where was I going with that? You know, there there are people who are cultural heralds, or a, you can take that in two ways. Because there's there's some alarmists who have basically just created their identity and their posture towards the world as always negative and always alarmist. Well, it's, uh, being they, an alarmist is like is different than necessarily being a, a herald I in agree. terms of like. This is built on... I'm going to prey on your fears right now. I'm not going to warn you. I'm going to warn you because we have reason to be afraid. And well, I think there's a difference there. Right. And, and I'm just, not that... I don't think it's a we have reason to be afraid. It's we have reason to be watchful and to guard our children and yeah. to... But where... I think the people... I just wanted to clarify the watchman on the wall type of people because there's people, Christians, in our culture... And prominent podcasters, some of them, who can put us in a posture of always being angry, always being defensive, and always kind of having this antagonistic idea, you know, antagonistic attitude or posture toward people who aren't just like us. And that's not what Pete meant by listening to a watchman on the wall. He was saying there are people who... And I'm not going to say whom the the man that Pete thinks is kind of the best one that he listens to, because some people would probably be like, oh, Pete's a terrible person for liking that person, because we all have our ideas, right? <laughs> uh, I didn't. I, I agreed with him, and I appreciated his insights. But, you know, I, I think if you think about the people that you have grown to appreciate their voices of, no, I'm not going to say you, me, there are people whose voices I have grown to appreciate and trust in the last few years of all of the cultural people, the sexual, uh, the, the, I want to say, I don't, the progress isn't the right word. The, the amount of inroads that sexual progressives have made in our culture in the last five years is astonishing. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. There were people in 2012, 2015 who were calling it. They were calling it with people Inside the church, they were saying, you're going down a slippery slope and you're going to lead people astray. Don't listen to this person. Churches should do something discipline-wise about this person. And there were people who were saying, no, 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 let's be winsome. Let's be friends. Let's work together. There's nothing to be alarmed about. And the people who were calling the, I don't want to say wolves in sheep's clothing, because I think a lot of these people are actually believers, but they're very misled believers who are leading other people astray. And I think the last few years have been very clarifying for me. And possibly I think I can project on people who are listening to us that they also have gotten a sense for, okay, this is a voice that I can listen to. This is a voice I thought I could listen to. And then, I mean, one, for example, for us was Eric Metaxas. We Mm -hmm. loved his biographies of 
Luther and Bonhoeffer and some of his other stuff in his podcast. And then all of a sudden he's like doing one of those crazy pro-Trump, like God's going to have a Trump be inaugurated still. And let's, you know, I I don't remember all this stuff, but did he get nothing out of his own book? (laughs) What on earth? Go reread Bonhoeffer, dude. Um, And, you know, so for us, we were like, okay, that was clarifying. He's not really the cultural herald that we should be listening to right now. And I, two others that I'll just name by name for me that I listened to very, very carefully for a while. And now I'm like, I don't know. I don't really agree with everything you say now. And also when I listen to you, you kind of set my teeth on edge towards other people. And I can't live with that level of anxiety and angst about Mm. the culture all the time is... Ali Stuckey. I really appreciate her take on things. I appreciate mm-hmm. her ability to cut through. But if I were to listen to an hour and a half of her every day, I would be, and even though she's very biblical and she tries to include a lot of biblical encouragement, I would probably spend a lot more time being angsty about what's going on in the world around us than I already do. Now, some of what she does is really helpful. Like she had a podcast that we discussed months ago about the supply chain that I found tremendously helpful because it had tangible steps and a way to understand what was going on and actually toned down some of the rhetoric, blaming everything on Biden. But and then Owen Strayan is another one where I think he he came out fists blazing and now his fists are still blazing, kind of not always for yeah. good purpose. Yeah. And so sometimes I really love what he has to say. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know. Maybe lay down your sword and enjoy a meal with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that are not always seeing eye to eye with you. But so I've anyway, I think that we've all kind of developed some voices that we trust. And hopefully, as we've seen the way our culture has gone, we do need watchmen on the wall. And I like you said, I appreciated Pete bringing that language to bear in how we think about the cultural commentators that get our ear. Yeah. And yeah. So Pete made another really cool commentary that I wanted to add. We should do a show with Pete podcast with Pete. Yeah. Let's call it podcast with Pete podcasting (laughs) with Pete. No, no, no. And And he has to do it from his, he's a pilot. He has to do it from his airplane. So we get the corner sort of, I feel like I feel like we're giving Kim the short shrift here, though, because Kim is a very, very interesting, thoughtful person too. She's just not as flashy and no, flashy is not the outspoken's a good word. Well, I mean, flashy in that, like, like Jr's texting. Pete will talk me under the table. I Jr's texting me (laughs) while I'm trying to get the kids to sleep in the van. He's like, oh. You know, he said something about how great Pete was, and you guys know Doug, the dog in Up, and he he bounds up to people and he says, I just met you and I love you. I felt like that was how JR was with Pete. And not, not that bad. He's just so gregarious and joyful and Yeah, and Kim Kim is the the yin to that yang. Kim's awesome. In a really lovely, warm and hospitable way uh yeah yeah yeah. but but obviously also providing fuel for the thoughtful family environment that their kids have grown up in but so p was talking though because they live right on the edge of glacier national park and we were talking about the wildfires and they just moved on to a house with a lot of acreage 
And the goal is to do some renewable, sustainable farming practices to... Because here's the deal, you guys. Cows get such a bad rap in our general culture. It's because they're dumb and we eat them. No, no, no. No, it's because they're supposed to be terrible for the environment. It Cows? Takes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you I hearing mean, this? Oh. We consume way different news sources, babe. Well, I'm consuming what the, all of the climate activists are are claiming. Oh, yeah. Cows, re- Cows? release. Haven't you ever heard about the government studies about like measuring how much methane gas a cow's farts produce into no. the air? I've never heard any of this. The government stuff. has spent millions. You guys, millions. this is all complete news to me. The the government has spent millions of dollars trying to see how badly cow farts impact the ozone layer. I No, no, no. It gets worse. Like the the complaint is that how cows consume anti-Hindu can they be? The cows consume <laughs> a tremendous amount of resources for us to get even a little bit of Stop. nutrition Stop. out of my, them. My brain is starting to melt. No, no, no. I can't handle the stupidity shutting down. Okay, don't do not do this. The <laughs> Don't do what? Don't shut me down by just being I'm not being shutting a, you down. No, you I'm are. making comments about what there, you're saying. I, I think you've been about living the, under a rock. You're topic. probably the only one listening to me right now who doesn't know that cows have a really bad rap in our general if environment. This is the first time you've heard this. Please send a message so I'm not alone. You're going to be alone. I guarantee you. No. This is why this is why Bill Gates has spent all this money trying to create fake meat because he's plans I... to replace beef with Bill Gates is the largest farmland owner in the United States and he plans to do nothing with it. But I just assumed he was trying to create out of business. beef because no. he feels like he can make a better product than what's out there naturally. The Here's the crazy thing. Almost nothing nutritionally compares to beef. Transhumanism. We can do it better if we add technology to it, and, including our food. Uh, and, and the idea is that you know cows have to eat all this grass and grass is good, cows bad because they're destroying the grass. So, so going back to Pete and Kim, they want to put cows on this land because the, the cow poop is actually, and cows walking around on the ground, stirring it into the ground, is actually tremendously good for the ground. So our food system in the United States, the soil is super depleted. So the nutritional content of, of almost anything that you eat that's been grown in the ground uh, grains, vegetables, fruits is less than it was 50 or 100 years ago, grown in the same same vegetable, grown in the mm-hmm. same ground because that ground has been depleted mineral mineral wise. The thing that brings it back is having animals grazing on that land. The healthiest land in America has cows, chickens grazing on it pooping on it, stirring that poop in. And the thing that they do, that ca- the amazing thing that cows do is is vegetables are actually very hard for our bodies to digest. Raw vegetables do, some raw vegetables raw do great things for your body, like a raw carrot. The fiber in it actually absorbs excess um, hormones in a woman and can regulate uh, wild hormonal strings and uh, swings in a woman if you 
eat, consume one or two raw carrots a day. Uh, however, raw foods have some anti-nutrients in them, sometimes that are very hard for our bodies to digest. Cows take those things, digest them with all of their extra stomachs and all of their cud chewing that, that we don't have the capacity to do, and create incredibly nutrient-dense food for us out of the, the gift of the ground, the grass and things like that, that we can't eat, but that have a ton of nutrients in it. And they do that not only through their milk and the fat from the milk. We're big fans of butter around here, as you guys know. Butter makes everything better. Butter is also an incredibly nutrient-dense food that's very good for you. And so is, we've talked about cow liver and beef and things like that, as well as a healthy cow's fat is tremendously good for you too. So anyway, learning from... Pete and Kim about their plans for this land and how they have a friend who is a farmer in Washington State who is going to help them develop these restorative, regenerative. I think it's called regenerative agriculture. It's super. But apparently, over the years, his friend they've built up thirty inches of new topsoil. Yeah, I think you said through regenerative farming practices. That's awesome. But like, what plant to plant where and when to do it, and then what kind of animal to put on that? And it's just like that's awesome. And the it all works together in its mm-hmm. own. I want to buy farmland, restorative ecosystem. And do it now. That sounds like fun. We're gonna do that little by little in our. We have a whole acre. We can turn into sort of. We can do very. We can't put animals on it. Can't do animals. Um, do so the other cool thing that Pete said was he was talking about Glacier National Park and the fires there, and he said if you leave again, just how incredibly cool God created the world if we don't mess with the way God made it. If you leave a forest to have its natural forest fire cycle and the dead brush gets burned up, uh, the a, a fire in a natural burning cycle, fires from lightning or whatever, comes comes through, it doesn't there's not enough dead stuff for the fire to get hot enough to kill the trees that are healthy and have good bark. It singes the bark. It moves on. It cleans up the underbrush. There are certain pine trees that only release their seeds from the cones. The cones pop open in a fire and release new Mm -hmm. seeds to create new trees, which if you go to Yellowstone National Park, you'll see that the decades, the big fires in 89, the decades of not letting a fire burn, and then all of a sudden it burned horribly and was way out of control. Uh, There were no baby trees in all of this area of Yellowstone and then the fire went through, and there's this dense, lush forest that's now, what, 33 years old, from all of these pine trees finally having their pine cones pop open and release seeds. But Pete said that because of the way that we're like, no, 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 no fires are bad. We have to manage the forest. You can't clear dead stuff out of the forest. It's This is government property. You know, this is for the people. People bad. People people intervention bad and so if you walk through on these hiking trails and parts of glacier the amount of dead trees lying on the ground or not lying on the ground because they're leaning on other dead trees and they're propping each other up in this sort of 200 foot high teepee sort of thing called widow makers so what happens is when a fire finally gets going that they can't put out right away there's so much dead stuff, it fuels this incredibly hot fire, and it does get hot enough to kill the trees that it burns past, but it's also so hot that it sterilizes the soil. 
And instead of being this natural, restorative, renewing process that God built into the way an ecosystem should work, that the fire is so out of control that it actually sterilizes the soil and prevents future growth from happening where the fire burns so badly. There's a bumper sticker that I saw once and it says, log it, graze it, or watch it burn. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, that actually, so when I'm talking about the fire, we can end on this. Okay. Uh, I feel like there's a spiritual analogy there. In our hmm. in our lives, we have to... I was reading this article by Brian Chappell on the Gospel Coalition website while we were driving home, and he was talking about being betrayed by people in ministry. So people have hidden failings, or they betray you, or they've been hiding evil that they've been doing, and... He said, in my years in Christian ministry, it happens over and over, and and I just have to lean in. And he, he had this quote, maybe I'll try to find it and we'll put it on our Instagram. He, he had this quote from A.W. Tozer, which was basically like, if, if God doesn't hurt you, you don't have the chance to grow. And um, I just thought it was a tremendous quote. But thinking about the fires... You have to have fires in your life. God has to be regularly bringing, I mean, another switching analogies. Your bones and your muscles don't grow without resistance. You you actually get weaker if you're not one of the best ways to do, I don't do this, I'm not following my own health advice here, but the weight training or any sort of resistance training is actually one of the best ways to have strong bones for life. And for kids, it's jumping up and down. Kids should be, literally be jumping all day long on hard ground so the jarring builds strong bones. Our kids do. <laughs> but, but I mean, no matter what analogy you want to have, going back to the fire analogy, if we sterilize our lives from adversity so much, meaning like relationships with other people, or we're terrified of leaning into challenging circumstances or we pretend it doesn't exist, the dead growth, the dead fall in our life just builds up and builds up and builds up. And we don't get this natural cleansing process that actually comes through regularly and hurts because it feels like a fire, but creates space for new things, new life to pop up and grow in the soil of our hearts. Pretty soon, a giant fire is going to come through. And it's going to be devastating. It could wipe you out, could reveal that you are barren land underneath, you know, what looked like a moderately healthy forest from from the outside. But I guess I'm just thinking, I'm certainly talking out of my own experiences of the last two weeks. I know exactly what you're talking about. If you guys know about. us personally, but, you know, if, if you are a person who, I guess my my application here is twofold. If you're a person who leans away from the hard things and doesn't see the goodness, doesn't default, none of us default to seeing the goodness of God in hard things. 
If you do default to seeing the goodness of God in hard things, let us know and we'll send you a sticker or something, because good for you. But I don't think that in our fallen natures, this is why the Israelites get remember, 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 and 30 seconds later, they're like, there's no God. God's forgotten us. Let's build a golden shoot, you know, mm-hmm. some golden calves. Like, anyway. I mean, if you I mean, the amount of miracles the Israel people, the Israelites saw and still didn't believe and in God. And immediately, immediately, immediately turned to idols or to grumbling. But we think we're any better. Right. We, we're not any better, which is why God had to keep sending hard things to them. And which is why he keeps sending hard things to us, because... What he's doing is actually building our lives into a healthy forest mm-hmm. through the forest fires. And if we try to avoid, we put out the little fires before they have a chance to do their work in us. We pretend like they don't exist. We we leave the hard people behind. That's a hard one for me to say out loud. You know, we avoid the hard people because we don't want to deal with it. What we're basically doing is letting more and more deadfall grow up. And the fire that results when it comes, because it will come, whether in this life or in the life to come, but usually in this life, we're not, most of us don't get away with never having fire rage through our lives at some point or another. Some point. I know some people that are just literally just don't really have bad things happen to them. I can't figure that one out, but all right, whatever. But, but, <laughs> but I think that leaning in and saying, okay, are, is, is God doing a restorative thing are there pine cones popping open and releasing their seeds even in the midst of the fire i think is an important thing for us to keep in our own minds as well as to keep in mind when we have the opportunity to speak into other people's lives i just this last week i there was somebody that i knew that i was like i i don't know how to say this without sounding like i'm throwing romans 8:28 at you in a <laughs> cliche way But I think it's important for you to remember right now that your struggle is not an accident to God. You're struggling because of someone else's sin. And yeah, God is doing hopefully a redemptive work in that other person's life, but you're not just collateral damage. God is working in your life right now and he loves you and he has purposes for you here. And so where are the pine cones popping open and releasing the seeds in your life, not just as you deal, you're not just collateral damage. You are actually in God's hands and he's working for you right now. And lean, how do you lean into that knowing that God loves you? And how do you tell people that without sounding, well, God works all things for the good of those who love him. So (laughs) be happy. Cause that's, that's certainly not it. Fires hurt. Um, but, but God is, uh, working all things. And as I stayed up until one o'clock this morning, finishing what I thought was the last book in the Green Ember series, and it turned out to only be book three. So there was a cliffhanger at the end and I was like, dang it, I stayed up super late thinking this was going to resolve. And now I have to borrow book four and stay up all night again. Yeah. I just finally started. Molly's been trying to get me to read the Green Ember series and I have an aversion towards little rabbits as protagonists, but I was reading another series by another Christian author, and it's just, it was, it's refreshing to read really good writing. Like, it's not a bad story. It's not, it's just, it's kind of like I... Yeah. Anyway, if you guys haven't read the Green Ember series, I'm sure most of you out there probably actually have. S.D. Smith 
and the Green Ember series is, uh, for me, hard to put down. Okay, guys. We uh, have a still a very busy afternoon. It's it's just kind of a crazy week since we got back. Partially my fault because I keep booking too many things in one day, but or one week. Um, if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so in the following ways. You can email us at tb the number two f tb two f at pm dot me. You can go to our website www.tb the number two f dot com or too busy to flush all grammatically correct too busy to flush.com and scroll down and send us a postcard also if you really want to jump into some conversations and meet some new people we have a telegram group on uh, the telegram app it's a private group i'll include the invitation code in the show notes and while you're in the show notes i'll include links to the green ember series we're talking about i'll include some links to the recipes molly was talking about and I'll even uh, see if, they st- if they're still available. I'll put the, those little seat back hangers that we use in our van. Um, put those up there on the, on the site too. So um, that's, that's it, I think, for that's me. That's it? I've got a dental appointment today, I think. You do? I do, yeah. Teeth cleaning at like 3 o'clock. Oh. And then I've got an eye appointment tomorrow. All I want to do is write music, and I haven't been able to sit in my studio at all in two weeks. Okay, well, I will I will do my errand quickly, and then you can take cool. my car to the dental appointment. Yeah, and then I'll go grab those crates, those crates. apple boxes. Oh, right. Yeah, and then I'll take the And then you'll take the kids to judo. And then I'll take the kids to judo. Hopefully I have time to eat somewhere in there. All right, Taco <laughs> Tuesday. All right, guys. Talk Thanks to for you joining next us. Week.